That's good seeing you guys. Good worship today, wasn't it? I'm going to miss that, Foss. I really am. I think we all will, too. I'm even going to mention them during the message and stuff. But, you know, I really sense we truly are. It's, it's a very special moment in the life of our church. There's a big transition that we're going to face today. And I, I'm, they've given me the privilege of teaching on a section. Matter of fact, they assigned me a, another section, and I begged them to give me this section. And it's the section that's in 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. And I entitled it, Elijah Caught Up to Heaven, a Ministry Completed. And, uh, you know, we're finishing up this series. I think we've got one more time that uh, we're going to look at the life of Elijah. But what a great prophet he is, isn't he? He's, he's one of my favorite heroes. He truly is. And, you know, his greatness was there because of the greatness of God in his life. And if we do great things, it's because of God's greatness. James, that we're looking at, chapter 5, you know, our launching point, our memory verse that we've looked at week after week after week, says something very powerful about this guy. He says he's human. You know, sometimes we look at these great men and these women of God in the Bible, and we think they're superhuman. That's why they can do these extraordinary things and these great things, but, you know, that's not the point. The point is they allow the greatness of God to work in their life. Well, how do they do that? They do that by being sold out to God, being totally committed to God, totally. We live in a world that doesn't want to commit to anything. We truly do. This man, Elijah, was very surrendered over to God, and God wants us to be that way too, church. Not just me, not just the pastoral staff, but each and every one of you, God wants you being surrendered, totally committed to him, sold out to him. You know that Elijah is mentioned 28 times in the New Testament, more than any other of the prophets. He was the first person that ever raised somebody from the dead. That's a pretty good thing. You know that when Jesus was on the Mount of Transfiguration with uh, Peter, James, and John, he takes them up there. You know who showed up? Who showed up? Elijah. Elijah showed up. The last two verses in the Old Testament, you know what they do? And we're going to look at it in Malachi. It promises that Elijah would return one day. One day he will return. This is what God said. Look, I am sending you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day the Lord arrives. His preaching will turn the hearts of the father to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers. We need that. Otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. He's talking about the tribulation period that's coming, guys, and it truly is coming. We're in the last days. I believe it with all my heart, and he's saying that he's going to send Elijah back again. People thought that John the Baptist, you know, that weird-looking dude, ate all that strange food. I would have never touched locusts and wore a weird coat and everything. They said, are you John the Baptist? Are you Elijah? And they said, no. They even thought Jesus was Elijah. Elijah's an interesting character. I think he spent most of his time isolated and on his own. When I did some research and when I was studying for my message, uh, some of the commentators said it wasn't good for him to be that way. And, and it really isn't. It's not good to isolate, guys. If you're hurting, don't isolate yourself. That's the worst thing you can do. Get around your brothers and sisters. Get around Jesus. But I think it was God's design for him, and it is sometimes for prophets. For those people that really minister the word of God at times, they're very isolated. 
It looks like Elijah called, or that Elijah was called late in his ministry. I was trying to find out the date for it. I'll have to ask Jeremy. He knows all those answers and stuff. But I can't find that out. But he was called to be his attendant. He was called to be his future successor. You know what Elijah did? All he did was he served Elijah. He watched him and he learned from him. That's mentorship. He watched and he learned. Today, I really believe very, very strongly. And Pastor Jeff called me yesterday. And I was just sharing. I think God's got something really good for us today. And not because I'm bringing it, because he can use anybody to do that. But I really believe God's really stirred my heart. I've, I've learned a lot as I've gone through this section here. I believe that God's going to speak through Elijah's life today as we look at it. We're going to touch on death. We're going to touch on life being a journey. One of the songs we sung today was about a journey. We're going to touch on mentoring. We're going to touch on sharing life. We're going to touch on loss and grief. And we're going to touch on going where God wants us to go. And then seeing that great, awesome power of God that ushers them right up to the very throne room of God. Let's all stand up to honor God's word. That's why we do that, guys. You know, I I was never in a church where we did that. When I taught, I never did that. But I like it. I really do. That's what the Old Testament saints did. When they would read the scriptures, they would stand and they would listen and they would honor God's word. And we need to honor God's word. This is what it says here, and we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through one through 3. Yeah, 1 through 3. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elijah were traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. But Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went down Uh, together to Bethel. The group of prophets from Bethel came to Elijah and asked him, did you know the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? And this way he says, of course I know. Elijah answered, be quiet about it. Let's pray. God, thank you for another opportunity to search your scriptures and to find life in them. I thank you that there's great power in your word, Lord. It says that this earth will disappear one day, but your word will last forever and ever and ever. I've based my life upon your word, Lord, and the truths of it. It does such mighty things. I pray that you would open our hearts, my brothers and sisters' hearts today, and may they receive your word. Some of it might not be something they want to hear, but God, I pray your spirit would just kind of pull away the hardness maybe and let them receive your word today. Speak, Lord. Touch our lives. Cause us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you all sit down? Well, it's time for Elijah to go home. His earthly ministry is coming to an end. And God's calling this faithful servant home. God's going to call me home someday. I had Odie praying for me today, and he says, man, I hope the Lord didn't take you up in a whirlwind today. (laughs) And I said, I'm ready if he wants to take me. But he's a faithful servant of God. And I want you guys to know something. Our faithfulness is what God wants and what God deserves from each and every one of us. And this was a very, very faithful man. Elijah's last days on earth 
was a monumental day in his life. It truly was. He was completing about 24 to 27 years of ministry for the Lord. You know that his servant, his protege, his apprentice, Elijah's ministry would last almost twice as long, 51 years long. God knows when our time on earth is done, guys. Look at what Job says here. I don't think it was, I can't remember who said this, but this is what it records here. It says, you have decided the length of our lives. He's talking about God. He decides it. We don't. You know how many months we will live. He knows the months. And then look at this. And we are not given what? A minute longer. A minute longer. If my day is today and it's five minutes from now, I will drop dead. That's how God does it. Death strikes fear in people, doesn't it? How many of you are kind of a little fearful of death? Sure. It does that from time to time. But you don't need to fear. You don't need to fear. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, it says that absence from the body be present with the Lord. If I would die right now, this moment, I'd be in the presence of the living God. I had this guy. He was a friend of mine. He was older than me. He was part of a Hope Chapel that I was part of. And he was a crusty old guy. That's probably why I liked him. He's kind of rough around the edges, you know. And I was, I've been a contractor and carpenter for 47 years. So I've been around guys that make even my hair stand up. That's why I lost it because they cuss so much. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but this guy would cuss a lot. He'd drop a lot of F-bombs and stuff. But I still love this guy. Neat guy, tough guy. Took me to the 1984 Olympics for shooting. That lets you know what kind of where his mind was on that. And he got cancer, and uh, he was getting ready to pass away, and he was a little bit fearful of death. And his wife, Jeannie, she was the sweetest lady. She told Jean, she said, Jean, you don't need to fear, because when that day comes, when that moment that you're supposed to go home, she said, the angels of heaven will take you home. And she goes, I, what I want you to do when you see them is, is give a thumbs up. A few days later, he passed, and she walked in his room, and he had his thumbs up. Yeah, amen. So when my wife finds me, I'm going to be doing this. But we don't need to fear it. We really don't. You know, Elijah's journey was on the road of life, and it was coming to an end. And life is a road, guys, that we travel on. Just like that song we were talking about, a journey. It's, it's a journey. And the thing about our journey is it's not always fun, is it? I was thinking about that. Sometimes our journey is, is filled with a lot of difficulty and a, and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. That's just how the journey goes. You know, today, the Foss's journey here at Journey is coming to a close. It truly is. They've been here for eight years. That's how long the church has been going on. And like Jeff said, they've been together 13 years. Our journey takes us many different places, doesn't it? And it gives us a lot of pain, but it gives us a lot of joy at times too. I like what Paul said to young Timothy in in chapter 4. He says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I remained what? Faithful. I've remained faithful. I want to say that one day. And I know that's where I'm approaching one of these days. Verse 2, Elijah tells Elijah, you stay here. Why did he tell him that? 
I think he was testing his loyalty towards him. I think he was testing his, his friendship. Will you stick with me in these last few moments of my life? And Elijah, he said, I'm not leaving you, man. I'm staying right here where you are. It wasn't being defiant. It was being supportive. That's what it was. It was being supportive. Remember Ruth in the Bible, great woman of God. She, was, she wasn't even a Hebrew. She was a Moabite. And she told her mother-in-law after they were experienced such grief of losing their husbands and, and her son and everything. She said, I, look, at, I, I, I will go where you go. I'll stay where you'll stay. That's the heart of, of this Elijah. This guy, Elijah, is what I call a fat person. And if you've been around my wife and I, we, we use that sometimes, talking about people that, that we want to see God use. First off, F means he's faithful. He was a faithful man of God. A, he's available to God. And then the most important thing is teachability. Teachability. I don't care about you being faithful. Well, I do, about being faithful and available. But teachability is the most important thing. This guy, Elijah, he was teachable. And when we remain teachable in God's hand as this clay, he molds us into what he wants. I've met some very unteachable people, and God can't use them. He truly, truly can't use them. Elijah told Elijah, he says, I got to go to Bethel. He was listening to the Spirit over and over again in his life for direction. The Spirit of God, guys, wants to lead you and wants to direct you where he wants you to go, not necessarily where you want to go. You just got to be willing to do that or to do something for God. Elijah, his apprentice, they were traveling. I think I got a map up here. They were at kind of around Gilgal. See where that big Israel is? I didn't bring my pointer today, Jeff. I used it on Wednesday night. Where that big Israel is, and you see the Red Sea, that big body, see that Gilgal. That's where they were at. They were traveling from Gilgal, and then they were heading down to Bethel. See the top of Judah right there. That's where they were going. <clears throat> and then at verse 3, it said that the prophets from Bethel, did you know that Bethel means house of God? They knew something was up. Prophets know when things are up. The church needs our prophets. We truly do. And we have some in our, in our congregation. And we do listen to him. Odell hears from the Lord and gives direction sometimes. Prophets see things before we see things. And God uses prophets to direct us. We truly, truly need them. So they knew something was up. They truly did. And they go and they ask Elijah if he knew that God was going to take his master home today. And I kind of like Elijah's response. I think he's a little perturbed. He says, of course I do. Come on. I'm a prophet just like you. I'm, I'm picking up on what God's doing and, and that he's going to do something different here today. These group of prophets are a mysterious group. You can't find out much. I don't know if some of our other teachers in the congregation done some study, but, man, they're tough people to find out what, who started them. Where are they at? It appears that they're here in Bethel and they're here in Jericho. I don't know. Was Elijah the one that was, was, was going maybe one last time? Maybe that's why God was directing him down to Bethel to speak one last time to the prophets. I don't know. It doesn't say. Well, let's go on. Verse 4. Then Elijah said to Elijah, again, says this, Stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. But Elijah replied again, As surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together to Jericho. Then the group of prophets from Jericho 
came to Elijah and asked him, did you know that the Lord is going to take your master away from you today? Of course I know, Elijah answered. Be quiet about it. Then Elijah said to Elijah, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to the Jordan River. But again, Elijah replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went on together. And then look at verse 5 or 7 here. It says, 50 men from the group of prophets also went and watched from a distance as Elijah and Elijah stopped beside the Jordan River. Elijah again is told, stay here. God's moving Elijah on again. The Spirit is telling him, you need to go somewhere else. To minister to other prophets, I don't know. Maybe to go and help some other widow that needs help, I don't know. It doesn't say. All I know is that he obeyed the voice of God that was speaking to him in his heart. And we need to do that. Elijah says no to him. It's, listen, it, 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 he, he was just saying, I want to stick close to you. You know, we lost a great artist this week, didn't we? Aretha Franklin. You guys, did you love Retha? Man. And they said as it was going through the week, I was kind of following it, and they said that those who were so close to her would not leave her bedside. And this is kind of what Elijah was doing. He's saying, I'm staying next to you, man. I'm going to be here until the Lord takes you home. I'll tell you what, a good thing that give you guys a little bit of hope, she was raised by a preacher, her dad, so I know where she is. She's giving a concert up in heaven to the angels today. <laughs> and we'll probably get to hear it when we get up there. Ah, oh, I love that. Verse 5, the prophets from Jericho. You know what Jericho means? I didn't know this. I always like learning stuff. I learn more than you guys learn when I get to do this. It means place of fragrance. Place of fragrance. Did you know that 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15, I think we have it. It says that our lives are like a Christ-like fragrance. To a Christian, when we get around another Christian, we smell good. To those who aren't Christians, we don't smell too good. That's why they don't like being around us, right? You ever been around somebody that, oh, wow, you need to take a little bath or something? I don't know, that's just a little side thing I wanted to throw in there. <laughs> but this group again asks Elijah, hey, man, do you know what's up? And he goes, of course I know what's up. And he tells him, be quiet, be quiet. I didn't mention that on the first time, but he's just saying, look, this is a private thing. Just like, you know, that family wanted to be around Aretha. They said they don't want all the big cameras and all that stuff. It's just a very, very private thing that's going on. Elijah is to remain in Jericho uh, because Elijah, again, is moving on. God's moving him on again. And Elijah refuses uh, to stay at that place. He says, I'm going with you. I'm going to support you. We need to support our leaders, guys. Right? Amen? We need to support our leaders. We truly do. A lot of, a lot of stuff weighs upon their lives. They truly do. And they need our support. Look, at, that does not mean that you will agree with them all the time. Okay? I agree with Pastor Jeff most of the time. But there's times when I don't. I might have another opinion. But you know what? God's placed him as our lead pastor in this church, and I submit myself to him. I've got so much more years of ministry than he, than he has. Than he, he's been alive, probably. That doesn't matter. I have to humble myself, and I support the leadership, Pastor Jeremy and our other pastors. I come under their leadership, even though I was a lead pastor for 18 years and in ministry for over 40-some years. 
We need to support just like Elijah was doing. So he was to remain there. And then we see in verse 7, the 50 prophets that came, they, they, they followed them. And they were watching this whole thing from a distance. And I was going, gosh, they, they, did, they were curious to see what God was up to. That's what they were doing. God's up to something. He truly is. And there's times when I get very curious on what God's up to. And I want to try and figure out what God is up to. Curiosity about God's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing. I lost my place. That's what happens when you get old. Just kidding. So Elijah and Elijah stop at the Jordan River. Did you know, and I think we got a map up there again, that the Jordan River is mentioned 186 times in the Bible. It's an important river. Very, very important river. It's the one that flows from the, the Sea of Galilee up on the top, the little body of water, all the way down to the Dead Sea. It flows 156 miles. About where they're at, is about where Joshua took the children of Israel across the flooded Jordan River. And what, they, what he did is under the direction of the Spirit, he had the prophets, or not the prophets, he had the, uh, the priests come out with the ark and they stood in the water and then God opened up the whole waters and the people of God walked through it and walked through it just like they did here uh, uh, with it being dry. Elijah later on is going to tell this guy, this great captain of, of an army who had leprosy to go down and to dip in that Jordan River seven times because he had leprosy and he got healed. When he let go of his pride, he got healed because he went down and did what the prophet was telling him to do. Guess where John the Baptist baptized Jesus? Jordan River. In the Jordan River. I've never been to the Jordan River. Is it nice, Pastor? You been there? Do you guys baptize when you go there? All right, cool. I might get there one of these days. I'm just too cheap. <laughs> oh, let's go on, verse 8. I am cheap, ask my wife. I have my kids too. Uh, verse 8. Then Elijah folded his cloak together. They're standing at the Jordan River and struck the water with it. The river divided and the two of them went across on what? A dry ground, dry ground. When they came to the other side, Elijah said to Elijah, tell me what I can do for you before I am taken away. And Elijah replied, please let me inherit a double share of your spirit and become your successor. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah replied. If you see me when I am taken from you, then you will get your request. But if not, you won't. That cloak, that mantle, I think we've got a picture of him parting, too, that we can put up there. That cloak, that mantle that he has there, Elijah, it is a symbol of his authority. It's a symbol of his anointing. It's a symbol of the power of God and the calling that God has placed upon his life. That he strikes the river. Moses, he just stretched out his hand, and the, and the Red Sea just went like that. He never struck anything. But he strikes the river, and they walk across on dry ground. I was going, you, you might not pick that up, but I was going, that's pretty cool. I mean, God got like the heavenly vacuum and like sucked up all of the water, you know, that was there. He didn't want their little toes, you know, to get wet when they walked across. Just a little extra thing that he did. 
And once they were over on the other side, he says, what can I do for you? In other words, ask me what you need. Ask me what you want. And Elijah, his apprentice, says to him, he says, man, all I want is a double share. I just want a double share of what you've got. You know, the firstborn would receive two times as much as the younger brothers in the family. And he's going, I, I want that. I need that. And I think that's why he did that. And Elijah says to him, look, it, this is a, a difficult request that you're making. Well, why? Why was it so difficult? Because Elijah says, I can't do it. God's the only one that can give you the spirit. He's the only one that can give what you want. I can't do it. It is up to him. And sometimes we make some great requests. And guys, it's up to him to do it. You can't bend God's will. If it's God's will, you're going to receive it. So it's a difficult request. But he asked for it anyway. And, you know, the amazing thing about Elijah is he could have asked for anything. He didn't ask for money. He didn't ask for his ministry to be easy. And ministry is tough. That's not easy. It's difficult. You get hurt along the way. You sometimes don't feel appreciated. There's a lot of stuff that goes with ministry. All he wanted was just that double portion. And it's amazing that, you know, that Elijah did twice as many miracles as Elijah did. Twice as many. An incredible thing that he did. And his request was conditional on seeing Elijah go up to heaven to remain faithful to Elijah and to remain faithful to God. In other words, he's talking about his heart. If your heart's right, I think God will do it for you. Let's go on, verse 11 and 12. As they were walking along and talking, suddenly a chariot of fire appeared, drawn by horses of fire. It drove between the two men, spreading them, and Elijah was carried by a whirlwind up to heaven. Elijah saw it and cried out, My father, my father, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel. And as they disappeared from sight, Elijah tore his clothes in distress. Hang on a second here, guys. Man, it's hot up here today. Whew. I must be working up a sweat, huh? So as they were walking and as they were talking, and that to me speaks of that mentoring that was going on in their life. Pastor Jeff spoke about that two weeks ago on that. I've been reading the book, and I've been kind of pushing uh, the, the leaders to, to read this book called Hero Makers. Great book. Love it. it. speaks about discipling and about mentoring. And this guy, Dave Ferguson, writes it. And there was one particular scripture that he put was uh, John chapter 3, verse 22. I, I don't even think I have it up there. But it said that he spent time with disciples. And, and you would read it, and you'd just pass by it and not even think about it. But the word that's used there is diatribo, diatribo. And what that word means is to rub against or to rub off. And that's mentorship. It, it's rubbing against and rubbing off. That's what Jesus did with his disciples. You know, he spent more time discipling those guys than he ever did ministering to the public. I don't know what they were talking about. I wish I could have listened. Maybe they're talking about their past adventures. Maybe they were talking about the present. Maybe, they're, maybe Elijah was trying to encourage this young man that was going to take over his ministry and say, look, 
I know God can do it. I can see in you that God's going to use you in a very, very powerful way. I don't know. I believe, and this is my belief, I believe that every church leader and every ministry leader in churches need to be mentoring somebody. I truly do. 2 Timothy 2.2 says this, and Paul wrote this to young Timothy, the things which you have heard in me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others. See, that's mentoring. That's three generations of apprentices. Three. Three. Timothy is Paul's, and then you have the other guy that's Timothy's, and then those guys who are the other guys there. And really, there's four of them because... Even Paul the Apostle was mentored by Jesus himself. Mentoring is important. Listen, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, brothers, and sisters, you've got younger ones that you can diatribal with, that you can share life with, that you can pass on. I've got grandkids, and I'm passing what God's taught me on to them. We're all called... And even pastor said this a couple weeks ago, we're all called to disciple people, to mentor. We truly are. We must be intentional. We must look for opportunities to do that. There's some of you today here that God wants you to go and mentor somebody. There's some of you today that God wants to bring a mentor into your life. But you got to start asking. you got to start looking. you got to start doing something that God would bring that person or would take you to somebody else. Get it? You get that? Is that said okay with you guys? God wants to use you. He truly, truly does. God sends the chariot of fire and the horses of fire. I think we got that picture up there. And God separates them. It was God's plan to do that. He takes them up in a whirlwind. He raptures them up, up into heaven without dying. The Bible says that Christians, you and I, we're going to get raptured someday. You guys believe that? I hope you do. Some of us aren't going to die. We're going home, and we're going to be raptured up. 1 Thessalonians and 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that. Elijah cries out, Father, Father, tears off his clothes, rips them, shreds them. That's great grief. That's great loss. That's deep connection. That's deep love for this man. And you know, the amazing thing is that he knew he was going to heaven, and it still hurt him, and it hurt him badly. I lost four sets. I lost four of my grandparents, and I lost my wife's grandparent, grandmother, who was a grandma to me, in 1988, all within three months. That was probably the greatest loss I've ever experienced in my life, even to this day. It hurts. It truly, truly hurts. Let's go on. Verse 5, or excuse me, uh, verse, uh, what do we got here? 13. And we're heading for home, guys. Elijah picked up Elijah's coat which had fallen when it was taken up. Then Elijah returned to the bank of the Jordan River. He struck the water with Elijah's cloak and cried out, Where is the Lord, the God of Elijah? Then the river divided and Elijah went across. Elijah received his request. Why? Well, I don't think it's just necessarily because he saw him, but what I see in that is that God saw his heart was right and his motives were right. We receive when our heart's right and when our motives are right from God. You better believe that because that's how he operates. Elijah picks up the mantle. Did you notice? God, do we got that picture? It's, it's a cool picture. There you go. 
that mantle is falling. And in the scripture, it didn't fall on his shoulders. Remember when Elijah called uh, Elijah to be his successor? He, and symbolically, he placed his mantle on him. And he was, it was his choice to receive that calling. And, and that's what tr- God's trying to say in this place here, is that he had to go over and he had to pick it up. He had to place it upon himself. He had to choose to accept it or not accept it. To walk in that calling, to get that gift of grace, you've got to receive it. You know, our church, and this is God's timing. This is Jeff Foss's last day leading this congregation into worship and praise. He has a mantle that is on him, a cloak that is upon him. It's that anointing. It's that calling that he's placed. And I was sharing this with Pastor Jeff. That cloak is being passed today to Tara, who was up here playing the violin, Jeremy's wife. I talked to her a few weeks ago about that. I felt God wanted me to share some things with her. It's her choice to receive it, and she has received it. And when we receive that, if God calls you, he will enable you to do whatever he calls you to do, guys. You believe that? Elijah returns, and we're going to have to wrap this up quickly. I didn't even see what time I started that. Sorry about that, Jeff. Elijah returns to the Jordan, strikes the river just like his mentor did. Strikes it, boom. Opens up, he walks on through that. It was time for him to get going. And this is where I want to talk a little bit about, about grief and about loss just a little bit. It was time for him to move on. We go through loss. We, we, we have grief in our life. And guys, what I feel the Lord saying is don't get stuck in that grief. Don't get stuck in that loss. It's too easy to do that. I know a Christian woman that has been stuck in it. It's emotionally just stunted her life, spiritually stunted her life. She lost her husband about 25 years ago, and she's stuck. We have to deal with that grief and loss, and then there's a time to move on. Elijah said, it's time. It's time for me to take off. God's telling me and God's starting a new ministry for me. I've got to get moving. He did exactly what his mentor did. He struck it. It was the first miracle and it started his ministry with the miracle of God. And then in closing, verse 15. When the group of prophets from Jericho saw from a distance what happened, they exclaimed, Elijah's spirit rests upon Elijah. Excuse me. And they went to meet him, and they bowed to the ground before him. These guys saw everything from a distance. God didn't give them the privilege of being right there like Elijah was. But they saw it from a distance. They were just onlookers to God's anointing be placed upon a different person. But they did speak affirmation to Elijah. They went up to him and said, hey, you got it, man. God's given you what you asked for. The Spirit of God has now rested upon you. As New Testament believers, the Spirit of God lives inside you and I. Thank God for that. It's different Old Testament saints. They didn't get that. The Holy Spirit wasn't living inside them. But they affirmed it. They said, yes, you've got it. God has blessed you. God's answered what you asked for. And they bowed to Elijah. Listen, that wasn't in worship of him. It really wasn't. 
what that was showing them that they respected that anointing and that calling, that mantle being placed on him. They're saying, we're now going to follow you. That's what we're going to do. We're going to follow you. Whatever you say, we're going to do if God's speaking to you. They respected that. You know, authority and power, and I got to close this up, but I need to say this. Authority and power can be so abused. We're living in a world where that happens, doesn't it? It happens out in the secular world. Every day you turn on the TV, terrible things are happening. But unfortunately, guys, it happens in the church too. There's many pastors that have got that authority and that power and they've abused it and hurt people. Hurt people, done terrible things to them. We have to be careful with those kind of things. Elijah, Elijah now was to carry on Elijah's ministry. To lead the school of prophets, I don't know. There was going to be a heavy weight that was going to be placed upon him. Elijah's ministry was completed. One day, my ministry is going to be completed. It's going to be done. It truly is. He walked on the road of life and it was done. He finished his journey well. He truly did. Can you put life as a road on there? I wrote this song back in 1999. And I was contemplating life as a journey. I don't know what I was going through, but I was just thinking about God being in my life and the things that he had done. And I began to see that, that life is a road we travel on this world. A journey of lessons to be learned from my God, excuse me, from my Lord and my God. You taught me how to walk in faith. Your provision is never late. All things work together for me. My past is how it's to be. I grew up in a terrible family life. And I realized that even that past was part of God's plan for my life. That's why that's in that song. I see your hand in the lessons I've learned. Your hand of love, it makes me strong. Your guiding touch has been all along. Your love for me, it makes me strong. We did a lot of songs about love today. It's my favorite thing to talk about, God, about his love. His love for us is so vast and it's so wide, guys. Why don't you close your eyes? Thank you, Lord, so much for your word. Thank you that you love us so much, God. And you came and sent your son to die for each and every one of us. Even yet, while we were sinners, we hated you. You still died for us, Lord. You love us. I want to invite somebody here today that you don't know Jesus and you want to start following him just like Elijah followed the Lord, just like Elijah followed the Lord. God's calling you to come follow him today. Jesus is saying, come, come and follow me. Give your heart, give your life to me. Let me be Lord of your life. If you want to do that, I want you to just pray in your heart right now. Lord, I believe that. I believe it's time for me to change. It's time for me to go your direction and quit going my direction because it's not working too good. I'm a sinner. And I thank you that, Jesus, you died for me. I ask you now to take a hold of my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I will follow you all the days of my life. I pray, God, that these words your people will take to heart. There's something I know there for each and every one of us. I don't know what it is. 
but you know, Lord. Pastor Jeff had a, a quote from a guy named Israel Moore, and he said, age is just a number. It carries no weight. The real weight is in impacts. The truth is that you can do it at any age. Get up and be willing to leave your mark. Help us all leave a mark, Lord. Help us all to leave a mark. Thank you so much for your word. Bless my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. And they all said, amen. All right. God bless you.